This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got a lot to talk about today. Chip Scoggins will be with me here in just a little bit. Chip was uh, out at Vikings practice training camp earlier this week. Had a chance to talk to, ask some questions of Mike Zimmer about uh, vaccines. We're going to get into that a little bit with Chip. I'm interested in his perspective on that. Um, and just trying to get to the heart of, you know, how this, how we got here, how reportedly the Vikings have the lowest vaccination rate of any team in the NFL, how, you know, the league, they, they tweeted out the league is basically up to 90%, over 90% of players now are vaccinated in the Vikings, according to a Washington Post and I believe a Associated Press report now too, uh, are at 70% at their, at first shots and like 64.5% fully vaccinated. How did we get there? Um, Chip and I will also talk to a little gopher football and his perspective on the Jose Barrios trade. I've got a NBA Western Conference thought um, that might amuse you and certainly will amuse a few of my friends. A um, little bit of Dean, Dean Evison spoke, uh, Wild Coach spoke and uh, the other day, and I, I wanted to get a little bit of audio in on that as well. And Twins, big win, I guess. Um, Jorge Polanco. Three-run home run in the ninth inning got the Twins a nice win over Cincinnati. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. But first, what did I miss? The big story, I guess, um, Tuesday, grand jury indictment of former Vikings first-round pick Jeff Gladney um, stemming from a, a charge of felony assault, altercation involving a former girlfriend of his in April. Vikings released Jeff Gladney on Tuesday, and rightfully so if you see um, some of the allegations in this incident um, beyond uh, disturbing. So, you know, we, we should acknowledge that the Vikings did the right thing in this case. Not a whole lot more to say about it than that. It felt pretty cut and dried, and I want to tread lightly on the football part of it, but I was struck now by this notion that you know, Jeff Gladney was a first-round pick in 2020. The Vikings are not getting a lot of production, or at least the kind of production they would necessarily want from a lot of their recent first-round picks, with one massive exception. Um, we'll get to that, too. Um, 2021 first-round pick Christian Derrissaw still sidelined um, with, a, with an injury, and they're, you know, they're hoping to get him back soon, probably taking it slow. But, you know, taking it slow with a rookie isn't necessarily the best formula for that rookie to have an impact. So the longer he is out this season in this camp, the uh, the more you wonder how up to speed he's going to be able to be even when and if he is healthy. Jeff Gladney, of course, a first-round pick last season. Now, Justin Jefferson was also a first-round pick last season, had a massive rookie year probably should have been the rookie of the year uh, over Justin Herbert and uh, is poised to have a even better 2021. So, you know, that's that's the massive exception I referenced. But Jeff Gladney, first-round pick last year, he's gone off the roster. 2019, Garrett Bradbury, center. Jury's still very much out on him. This is a prove-it year for him. Uh, he'll get plenty of opportunities. He's played all 32 games, but the, uh, you know, the production for the number 18 overall pick Still very much in question. 2018 first-round pick Mike Hughes, he's gone too. Um, corner, um, you know, all sorts of injury problems. He's gone, uh, dealt away in a kind of a low-leverage minor move uh, this offseason. 
2017 didn't have a first-round pick because of the uh, Sam Bradford trade. 2016 was Laquan Treadwell. He is gone as well. So just to point out, and I believe I pointed this out before, that you know they've had some a bad run here with first-round picks. And again, I want to be clear, I'm not trying to lump Jeff Gladney's situation in with you know, in terms of seriousness, in terms of someone who just wasn't productive on the field, the Vikings absolutely needed to release him. That said, when you're talking about football equity and what you want to get out of first-round draft picks, that's troubling. That's going to come down down the road for a team that, uh, you know, needs to hit on first-round picks. Pretty much every team needs to. Uh, the Vikings are not sitting in a good spot right now. Really quick, Dean Evison talked for the first time about the Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi buyouts. Um, he spoke with the media on Tuesday. Here is Dean Evison, wild coach, on whether or not it was a surprise to him. We, we communicate uh, as an organization, um, all of us. Um, so uh, nothing was uh, nothing was a surprise, um, you know. But uh, you know, we are going forward. Obviously, this is what we feel as an organization that is going to give us our our best opportunity to move forward and, and ultimately, um, you know, towards the, the goal of winning the Stanley Cup. And, uh, you know, Ryan and Zach were, were, were not only great players for this organization, but great people off the ice and in the community. So, um, you know, uh, we're, we're going to ask a lot of people to step up in, in all areas um, with them being gone. But, uh, but no, as far as um, knowing and, and understanding uh, we all did uh, um, right from the get-go. Everson had some other interesting thoughts talking about how that might be a center-by-committee approach this season again, which I wouldn't love, but hey, he's the coach. If he can mix and match, they'll do their best. And, you know, just talking about how they're, they're starting to figure out line combinations already. feels like the season just ended for some reason, and here we are thinking about the NHL already once again. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Like to welcome back onto Daily Delivery, Chip Scoggins, columnist at the Star Tribune. Um, Chip, we've kind of taken turns this week writing a little bit about the Vikings and the the vaccine and just kind of what a mess this is. You were out in Egan on Monday. Um, I believe it was your question that prompted the Mike Zimmer answer. Just basically, he was you know kind of perplexed at what's going on right now. Thought it was interesting that the Vikings tweeted out that clip of Zimmer um, talking about, you know, being, you know, just, you know, Hey, if we, if everybody got vaccinated, we can just kind of put this all to rest. What was the, we're going to talk about that again today, just because it's this ongoing story. It's going to be a story until something gives here. What, what was the, I guess, what was the mood out there and what was your big picture takeaway from, from being out there with, you know, with, with everybody and talking to Mike Zimmer on Monday? Well, talking to Zimmer and then people around the team, I can tell you, there is incredible frustration that they have such a high number of um, players who are not getting the vaccine, who I think Zimmer used the word staunch, that they just are not going to budge. And, um, you know, it's, that was, as I wrote, the most absurd practice I've ever NFL team uh, 
have. I mean, you had basically, you know, we can argue where Jake Browning is your two or three, but he's literally taken 99% of the throws. Uh, the guy that they signed, uh, Cook is what? Is, I never Case heard Cook, of it. Case Cook is. It, was like, Case it, Cook like a, is. it looks like a fictional combination between Case Keenum and somebody else. They signed him right before practice. He didn't even have his name on the back of his jersey. Right. And, and then they claim the guy, another castaway off, you know, waivers. They got assistant coaches running drills, acting as quarterbacks because they don't have enough quarterbacks because guys will not get vaccinated. And so um, we know how much coaches hate distractions, football coaches. It's become yes. like, you know, it's, it's cliche, but it is. I mean, anybody who's been around knows how much coaches want control. They want everybody to fall in line. They don't want distractions. They want to be focused on a task. And this is a gigantic distraction when you, you don't have enough quarterbacks to really run a, a competent practice. And so I think Zimmer's just at wit's end over, you know, they've given their players, I was talking to a team official yesterday, volumes of information. They had Dr. Sills. They've had doctors. They had um, different people come in and talk to the entire team. They had Alan Page talk to the team <laughs> about the importance of getting the vaccine. And some guys, they just dug in their heels and not going to do it. It's yeah. I mean, and, and I want to get to a few things here. One is some, you know, fresh reporting from Washington Post as of I think Tuesday afternoon is the first time I saw this. As of that time, when, when it was tweeted out around noon uh, Tuesday, the Vikings have the lowest vaccination rate in the league at 70% in the process, which I'm imagining means at least one shot, and 64.5% fully vaccinated. Now, we don't know what the exact breakdown is, starters, reserves, but if you just like give a rough ballpark of two-thirds of your starters being vaccinated and one-third not, uh, that's like, you know, potentially seven guys who you're counting on quite a bit, including your quarterback, um, who you know presumably are not vaccinated. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen a couple tweets. I can't remember who they were from Michael, but I think the league averages, the league is at 90 percent, right? It's at least, I think it's 85 getting close to their upper 80s. I think in some there's a handful of teams, maybe maybe getting close to half the teams, I think, that are over 90 percent or something like that. And so they're way behind. Uh, other teams. And I don't know the reason for that. It's not, as I said, the, the team has had all kinds of conversation and educational resources for the players. So it's not like they're not, they don't understand the importance of it. They just are choosing not to. Now Zimmer said there's been a couple guys that every couple of days will come in and say, you know, I want to start the process of getting vaccinated. So I guess he was encouraged by that, but he said some have just dug in their heels and no matter what I say or what the organization says they're not going to change. And I think his frustration is now, I think there is the human component of it with Zimmer. I really do. But there's also the football component of it. And he said, you know, we're going to have players miss games. And, you know, I don't think it's probably any great secret that he needs to have a good year this year. Yes. If, if, you know, you have an important game, you're playing Green Bay or whatever, and you don't have your quarterback or you don't have a couple starters because they didn't get vaccinated, they chose not to. That is going to create – we can talk about the brotherhood and everything in the locker room and all for one, one for all. Wait and see the reaction if they had Kirk Cousins have to miss a game or starters miss a game because they weren't vaccinated. You're going to have problems in that locker room. I guarantee you will. Yeah, I mean, especially when there's such a, a split. I mean, when you if you get a locker room that's 90-10, it's pretty clear 
you know, that the vast majority are on, you know, one side of it. And there, there might even be a you know, more of a uh, peer pressure is the wrong word, but they, they might be, have a better chance to get closer to a hundred at that point when you've got, a, you know, what, what is being reported is essentially a two thirds, one third split. It's probably easier to have allies on both sides. And that could be interesting. Like yeah. I, I wrote about that, like two months ago, even when it was, when the NFL put out that memo of kind of how this was going to go this season and how unvaccinated guys are going to have to wear the masks. They're going to have to, you know, be, you know, not going to be able to go out on the road, things like that, that is going to kind of create two tiers of, of players. And, you know, that piece of it was going to create a divide. Yeah. Imagine if it becomes a competitive issue and not just a a preference issue. Well, and and Patrick Peterson spoke to the reporters today. I wasn't out there. I saw his quotes on Twitter. His quote was, you know, it is a personal choice, but for him, he feels like he is too important to the team not to get vaccinated. And so it's, it's the football part of it too. Whether you, you know, however you feel about the vaccine and all that morally or ethically or whatever, he, he broke it down as a football thing. That his value to this team is such, and he thinks that this is a good team and can be a good team that he can't afford to miss games because he's on the sideline with, you know, on the COVID list. And so this is a pretty prominent player saying, basically telling other players, hey, we need you. We can't have – because let's be honest. Mike, this is a wasted week of training camp for them. Yeah. And you can bring in all the quarterbacks you want, but it's – they can't – they're not going to be on this team. They're, they're, right. they're just, so this is basically a wasted week of preparation for them because guys chose not to get vaccinated. And they're, they're probably fighting – fighting a battle on on two fronts i would imagine and i'm gonna i'm gonna tread lightly here because i i agree with you that this is a a personal decision even if you know i don't tend to agree with the decision they are making i think the, the battle they're fighting is you know probably on two fronts when you look at you know charts of who's been vaccinated who's not been vaccinated where the resistance is some of it isn't kind of a young male population that kind of says i'm i'm invincible or i'm not going to get hit by this it's not going to affect me so why should I get it? And the other half is, you know, either some sort of, um, you know, personal religious belief or a, a kind of junk science skepticism, maybe kind of some kind of swirl mixed together. And it just seems like the Vikings are hit with a higher proportion of that than other teams. I'm just, I'm trying to get to why, and I don't know if we're ever going to get to the why of that. Yeah, I would, my guess is, is probably the two camps. One, I'm a professional athlete. I'm, you know, this, this is not really, if I get it, it's going to be cold or flu or whatever. And two, you know, and, and Zimmer references yesterday, which I thought just to me was as much a shot as, as his players, as I've ever heard him say, and it was to a question I asked him about, um, you know, how's he going to react if they do have players miss games and they lose a game. And he said, he said some of the stuff he, he said, I probably shouldn't say this, <laughs> But, but 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 please do please but do. yeah I said go, yeah, but go ahead finish go that stiff. but he but he said some of the stuff these guys are reading is out there yeah and so imagine you know I can't imagine the conversations he's had with players where they're saying hey I saw this this place or that place or whatever and you know but publicly he's basically saying these guys are following a bunch of nonsense right what are you saying about his players so it is it'll be interesting to see. I would love to know privately what those players feel about their head coach being this frontal about them doing it. And uh, I don't think he cares. He clearly, no. I mean, Zimmer does not care. 
he's he's angry and he's going to say whatever he wants to say. But to me, that was a pretty damning uh, thing he said about his players at the because I said I followed up. I was like, is it misinformation? He said, well, I don't say if it's misinformation. It's their beliefs. It's what they believe, and they're not going to change it. Um, but I think Mark Wilf, the owner, spoke to reporters today in a kind of a roundtable, and I just saw a quote someone tweeted that about their you know their low rate of vaccine. He said they're very concerned. So this is not just Mike Zimmer. I can tell you no. all to the highest levels. Yes. And in private conversations I had with people yesterday, they are annoyed and frustrated by this and concerned. A couple more things on this front, then I want to hit you up on a, a twins thing because you wrote about Jose Barrios over the weekend and a Gophers thing because you were out at that access on uh, on Tuesday and that, that camp begins here in just a couple of days. Um, one being, um, Mike Zimmer seems like an unlikely vaccine ally on the, uh, just on the surface. If you want to play stereotypes, if you want to play the percentages, Zimmer definitely skews a little bit more on the, uh, on the, on the right side of the political mm-hmm. spectrum. Do you think he is, you know, more motivated by this is just common sense, get the vaccine, or is he, is this a football coach talking? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I hesitate to get inside his mind. Yeah. I don't want to miscast what it is. And as I said earlier, it's probably a little bit of both probably, Hey, I, I want to, cause he's mentioned the Delta uh, variant and how, yeah. you know, uh, the cases are rising again. And it, it probably is, you know, the compassionate part of it. Like, Hey, let's take care of each other. But there's also a football component to this and that, you know, the, they can't afford to lose games because guys are sitting out on a COVID list when you can get a vaccine. And they went through that last year, right? Where guys miss Adam Thielen missed games. Guys miss games. Well, it's, they have more control over that this year. And for guys who are choosing not to, and I wrote this in my columns, like he might need to, he might be coaching for his job this year. Yeah. Rick Spielman might need a playoff bird to, you know, convince the wills to keep going forward. And their quarterback is, you know, can't practice this week. And if, if he doesn't get vaccinated, he runs the risk of, you know, being sidelined. And so I, I think you'd be naive if you, to say it wasn't both of those factors, why Zimmer's been so outspoken about it. But the percentage of it, I, that would be getting in, in his head. And I don't think I could do that. Yeah. He has a new grandpa too. I wonder if that, you know, that changes your perspective on some things too. I don't, again, don't want to get too far in his head. That's definitely fair um last piece of this how much of this do you think I, I go back and forth on how much of this is paranoia and how much of this like has a real chance of disrupting the season like just the specter of the specter of it is enough like you're not going to know week to week who's going to possibly be available i'm just wondering like what do you think are the chances that they're going to be missing some of these got important guys for for games during the season or at least a game well, if this if this percentage is right and it doesn't change much what we said from the Washington Post, and there's no reason to believe that they're putting out bad information, I think there's a pretty high percentage because you have a, a large number. Yesterday, Zimmer, his quote was, we have quite a few players. He didn't say what percentage or whatever that was. but So it's not one or two. It's not three or four. No. Tells me it's quite a few. And so that raises the possibility that you're – and he said, we're going to have players miss games. That's just his expectation. And um, is it your starting quarterback? That's not going to be good. I mean, we all love Jake Browning and what he did Saturday night with no pads on, but, you know, 
he has no experience. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think you have to, if, if that number doesn't change and go up considerably, they're going to have to brace for the fact that they're going to have some starters miss games. Chip, a couple more things. Um, one, Jose Brios, I liked your perspective on that. Patrick and I got into it a little bit on Monday on the Brios subject in Lavelle, and I did a special edition kind of post-trade deadline um, version of the podcast. But I think your bigger point was a good one that I don't want to gloss over, which is that let's not celebrate yeah. the trade uh, because the reason they had to make this trade is, A, they kind of botched early negotiations with Jose Barrios, and B, they were awful this year to the point that they've had to – kind of pivot to a rebuild well that you know and i understand it's the initial reaction that's kind of got my <clears throat> blood boiling a little bit you know when when it the trade was announced and who they were getting and i just saw the like this celebration on twitter they all they, <laughs> they get this prospect and they really they really fleece the blue jays and look at right. what all this they got back and i was like well, wait a second there's a reason they're trading jose brios here Let, let's not you know, let's not hang banners because they're you're trading away your best pitcher for prospects that you have no idea whether they're going to pan out because you're terrible this year. So I don't think we should be patting people on the back for that. Um, and so let's not forget the position they're in. Um, and so, yeah, it, it goes back to what, for like three years, we heard every training, every spring training, ah, they had talks with them, but nothing ever came of it. And you're, yeah. you're like, okay, they thought well guess what they didn't have time anymore they ran out of time and they got to a point where jose said you know what i'm just going to test that free agency and then they were stuck and it's like oh well i guess we better trade and we didn't get anything done so you you didn't get you weren't good enough on the front end to lock him into um the deal and then it forced your hand because you waited so long um and then you're terrible this year so you felt like okay let's you know start over and they're they're not going to say this is a rebuild and we're you know we're tearing it down but come on it is what it is. I mean, they come on. It, it is. They're yeah. they're going to be auditioning like nine pitchers. Like we we don't we have yeah. no idea who's going to be in the rotation next season beyond Kenta Maeda. And he was even rumored that he was potentially yeah. in play at the deadline. There was a, a rumbling about him and Donaldson to the Mets that I saw. Yeah, and is okay. Are they going to try to move Donaldson this offseason? Are they going to try to move Buxton? I mean, you know, he was uh, foul. Their foul was asked at on the Zoom after the deadline ended about you know, how close did he get with moving bucks? And he's like, well, nothing cleared our bar. So they were looking and listening to see yeah. if clear the bar. So, um, you know, that one may be another one where they just don't want to spend the money, feel like it's too much risk. So it does feel like to me, you're starting over and you're back to the Buxton, Sano, Barrios when they're younger and okay, wait till they get here and, you know, two years and this is going to be the, it's just, you know, I, I sort of get tired of that, just waiting and hoping and, you know, these guys are going to pan out and this guy's can't miss and this guy's a top 10. It, it doesn't always work the way you think it's going to work. You know, no. and that that's my frustration is, I, as I wrote, there's something about recruiting and prospects in, in, in sports that people just tend to get these crazy, you know, it's like you think about the most optimistic scenario in your head and how often does that you know, come to fruition where, you know, you, you see this guy who's a can't miss project. Well, he's going to be, he's going to be an MVP. Well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. A lot of things are going to happen. We thought Miguel Sano was the second coming yeah. and you know, he's, he's kind of been inconsistent for seven years. 
It's just, yeah, and you know, you're going to and you're going to have to move on from him. I mean, he's not part right. of your core future. I mean, he's just it, it, we've seen enough. You know, now you're turning it over to young guys and hope this next group of Larnick and Kirilov and you know the pitchers they have coming up that that they can develop them and they turn into something into a core that you move forward with. But again, there's no guarantees that that's going to happen. I don't, you know, in retrospect, I don't think we were critical enough of the Donaldson signing when it happened. Maybe you were, I, I can't remember. I sure, I certainly wasn't myself because you know, they committed $92 million, including, you know, the, the fifth year buyout um, for four years of a injury prone middle mid thirties corner infielder. And I just, when you think about it, you know, it's, it's hard, it's easy to say it in retrospect because they were, you know, they were kind of all in at that, at that point and you didn't yeah. know the code was going to happen, things like that. But even if everything would have gone right, is that the, is that where you want to put your money? Well, I will say this is two things. One, you felt like they were all in and, and, and not that, that that's the missing piece because you still, your pitching wasn't where it needed to be. But I think with this organization, the fact that they spent money, and outbid some people for a player. You're, you're like, you're so focused on that, not necessarily yes. the red flags that you're, you know, you don't really stop and maybe analyze as much as more like, hey, they spent money for a change on a guy. Exactly. You outspend some people that you get caught looking at, you know, the euphoria of that versus, you know, is this wise? Because we've beat them over the head so much, you know, over the years for not spending money that when they finally do, you sort of almost applaud it, no matter which or red yeah. flag or not, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's what happened with Donaldson. Not that he's been a bad player. I think he's a good player. It's just when you think about the market, when you think about how they've spent money, how careful they are, how, you know, how they you know, couldn't get anything done with Barrios, how this Buxton stuff is stalling. Like, yeah, they gave $23 million a year to an aging corner infielder. Again, not yeah. a bad player, good player, but is that where you want to put your money? And here's the thing, Mike, you mentioned, you brought it up a minute ago, like their rotation next year. I think yeah. you've got to buy four new guys, assuming Maeda's is back. But yeah, Ken Maeda and, and who? Yeah. Yeah. Some of these new I guys, mean, maybe. Or you can, well, there, it has to be because I don't think they can go back and find the next Hap or like, Hap's going to be a free agent again. <laughs> you can go get him again. No, no. Stop, stop right there, Mike. One name for you. Uh, hold on. Don't say no yet. Matt Shoemaker. I've heard good things about this guy. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, you're right. It's going to be completely rebuilt, um, and it's going to be probably – I'd imagine the last month of this season is going to be an early audition to see yeah. who they who might be some front runners in, in camp. And it's not like they don't have arms, but a lot of them are unproven and or have been injured this year, and they're, you know, hopefully when you kind of get – 2020 in the in the rear view a little bit more and they're not so worried about the innings that were missed that year and things like that you can start to really get a look at these guys but yeah it's going to be a big unknown next year is this who's who's ready well that's the thing some of these young guys it's like hey man here's your opportunity this last month is go win a job because it's you know there is that the opening is there for some of these young guys to to you know put themselves maybe not all the way in the rotation but have the leg up going into spring training Absolutely. Last thing, Chip, you were over at Gophers um, media availability on Tuesday. Talked to some of their uh, six-year, seventh-year doctors <laughs> and lawyers uh, over there. Um, any, any any takeaways as, as we get ready for fall camp that, that you can kind of leave us with uh, as we head out here? 
I will say there is a internal confidence um, in talking to PJ and the players. And, and PJ had to write, and I've been thinking about this because someone asked me, hey, what do you think about the Gophers? I was like, if not now, then when? Yeah, you've said that on this show before, I feel like. And, and, if and not PJ, now, when? Yeah, and PJ said, this doesn't come along that often where you have, you know, it's a let everybody come back. And so they're all 23, 24. I mean, there's sixth and seventh year guys, fifth, sixth, seventh year guys. And three year starter quarterback, one of the best running backs in college football. Entire, you know, maybe some people think it's the second best offense line in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. Um, some grad transfers that came in on defense. They have a very old veteran team that played a lot of football. And so, I get the sense that they feel like, although there's not a lot, you know, in the preseason magazines predicting to do much, I think they feel like this is the time to strike because you're not going to have a veteran team like this maybe ever again, you know, with, with I mean, how many guys are going to be seventh year college football players? Yeah, not often. So, so I, I think there's a maturity about this team. I think there's an inner uh, insight. I think there's a confidence that they, you know, they have a good team. Um, they just have to go prove it. Maybe I'll have to make another taco bet with uh, Ben Gessling and Andrew <laughs> Kramer as to who's going to win more games this season, the Gophers or the Vikings. I, I, took, them well, for ta- I took them for tacos in 2019 because I, I had the Gophers and they got to 11, 11 to 10. Don't, don't, don't forget NFL 17 games. I know it's a, it's a harder bet this in. year. It's a That's tougher right. bet yeah. this year. We'll, we'll see. Chip, man, good stuff. We'll, uh, we'll catch you again down the road. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, AC out there in the flat. Is the ball thrown in the low? That, is, that isn't Snoker's fault. And I mentioned at the outset, Jorge Polanco, three-run home run for the Twins. Got them a 7-5 win over Cincinnati in dramatic fashion, ninth inning. So I want to take a minute to talk about the bounce-back year Jorge Polanco's been having. He's healthy. Um, you know, For as much as this season has gone poorly for the Twins, not Jorge Polanco's fault. 17 homers, 55 RBIs, OPS right around 800 war of 3.3 that's wins above replacement level that's awfully good um awfully good counting stats awfully good uh, in the you know, on the twins right now 62 runs scored in 99 games reestablishing himself really as a part of this core and uh you know with it'd be interesting to see what position he plays next year too with Andrelton Simmons on a one-year contract does he go back to short does he go back to second um is he is he a long-term part of this franchise you would think so based on how he's performed this year but uh, but we'll see at least at the very least for the twins they have seen the jorge polanco that they want to see all the time and finally the cooler mark stein had a tweet um on tuesday that caught my eye because my pet project for a long time has been trying to figure out a way to get the timberwolves to the eastern conference which has been the lesser of the conference makes more sense geographically at least to me um, Mark Stein, though, tweeting injuries obviously factor in with Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Murray poised to miss most or all of next season. But the East's top eight should really pack more quality than the West's in 21-22 for the first time since dot, dot, dot. So like I always say, keep the Wolves in the Western Conference if you want them to make the playoffs right now. That one is a inside joke for some of my good friends. That'll do it for today. Intern Christina Long takes over the show Thursday and Friday. She's got some good stuff coming up for you. I believe she's going to talk to Kayla McBride from the Lynx. Uh, I think she'll have some gopher football talk and maybe even some gopher women's golf talk as well. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm Michael Rand. We'll catch you again on Monday, but please do listen to Christina on Thursday and Friday.